You are listening to the Advisor Solutions Podcast, Episode 29. Welcome to the Advisor Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Finley, President of Advisor Solutions. So how do you define your own success? Most advisors simply define it purely by the amount of new accounts, assets gathered, or gross commissions that they've earned. Now, those are all ways that you could measure success, but I don't think they're the true measurement of success. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) If so, know this. You are not alone. Most financial advisors, insurance agents, wholesalers, branch managers, and even agency managers don't have a process for obtaining and measuring success. And they don't even know it. And the reason they don't know it is because they view success as the end result measured in income. But is your income the true measurement of your worth? Well, no, it's not. (laughs) Just ask your clients. You see, to them, the true measurement of your worth is the value that you bring to, get this, to them, to help them (laughs) obtain their short-term and long-term goals. See, the income that you receive is just merely compensation for the value that you bring. Maybe your value is integrity. Maybe it's product knowledge. Maybe it's expertise. I don't know. But I do know that you're compensated for your value. So what do you do? You've got two choices. You could keep doing what you're doing and keep getting the same level of success or lack of success that you've been getting, or you could learn from other advisors and agents by listening to advisor success stories. And that's what we're going to talk about today, advisor success stories. So if you want to learn how other advisors and agents have success, then stick around. So why this topic? Why would you want to learn how other advisors and agents have had success? Because unless you learn from other people's failures as well as successes, then you may be stuck in your own challenges and never get out of them. So what we're going to do today is we're going to learn three things in this podcast. First, understanding the successful advisor's creed. So you can understand what it takes to create your own success and not rely on luck. Second, advisor success stories. We're going to cover several stories so that you can learn different ways to succeed in different areas of your business. And third, how coaching can help you create your own success so that you can move from where you are to where you want to be as quickly as possible. Now, before we jump into these three things that you're going to learn in this podcast, I need to ask you a quick question. What would your business be like, and your life be like for that matter, if you knew exactly what you needed to do to get the success that you want? Would you apply what you learn? Would you take your business to the next level? If the answer is yes, then let's begin. Understanding the Successful Advisor's Creed Years ago, I was in a group coaching session, and I've facilitated these group coaching sessions since 2006, so I've done a lot of sessions. And years ago, 
I noticed in one specific session that the overwhelming majority of the advisors and agents that were in there had the same response when I asked this question. What's your single takeaway today from group coaching? And I asked the same question in every single session that I do. But what was interesting about this was they all replied pretty much the same way. They said that I'm not alone. Well, they didn't echo each other and they didn't say the exact same thing verbatim. (laughs) But each commented on whom in the group had helped them with a, a nugget of wisdom whether it was me or or one of the other group members. And they'd say things like this, I could relate to what so-and-so said about blank, or I really liked what I heard about what so-and-so said about having a challenge with blank because I thought I was the only one that had that challenge. You see, these types of replies only mask the reality that most advisors and agents have, which is they feel alone. They feel like they're the only ones, and they are the only ones that have that same challenge. But the reality is they're not alone. See, this group wasn't unique, not at all. And a lot of advisors and agents, they start to realize that when they're in the Advisor Solutions group coaching program because they realize that they get camaraderie, ancillary learning, as well as experience from me on the solutions that they need to apply in their business. And at some point in your career, you're going to face the same challenges that other advisors and agents have already faced. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because Common challenges such as, let's say, fear of rejection, handling objections, or filling up the pipeline, they're all universal. (laughs) But the solutions are, are another matter. I believe that a lot of your colleagues may have the same challenges. They may even be willing to look for the solutions, but they may not be able to apply the solutions. In fact, I had one person say to me, I read all the books I can get my hands on in this business. And I put them on the shelf and nothing happens. And I said, well, do you know why nothing happens? And he said, yeah, because I don't do anything. And I said, exactly. So if you join the group coaching program, you got to do something. (laughs) And after coaching hundreds of financial advisors and insurance agents over the years, and for almost 19 years now, as of this recording, I know that those who succeed have their own creed. And here's what I call the successful advisor's creed. Whether they know it or not, they have their own creed. And here's what it is. Success is about awareness, action, and accountability. A AAA-rated business, that's what I call it. In order for you to to really change where you're at right now to where you want to be, you need awareness, action, and accountability. So the first step, awareness. The creed goes like this. I alone am responsible for my awareness that something must change in my business in order for me to succeed. And then the second part of this, number two, I alone am responsible to take action in my own business in order for me to succeed. And three, I can, will, and must be responsible for my own accountability to myself, to my clients, to my colleagues in order for me to succeed. Now, notice what I'm doing in here. I'm taking responsibility for myself. Being responsible for your own awareness and your own actions and your own accountability is the first step in succeeding. But don't take my word for it. Instead, let's do this. Let's hear how other advisors and agents have succeeded 
by applying this type of creed in their businesses. In other words, let's hear some advisor success stories. Advisor success stories. Now, before we jump into these advisor success stories, I wanted to tell you the story behind the story. (laughs) Here's what I mean. So ever since I started this podcast, I've been wanting to do a success story podcast, or maybe one or two back-to-back. In fact, in my book, 101 Advisor Solutions, A Financial Advisor's Guide to Strategies that Educate, Motivate, and Inspire, I've got a whole chapter on this, Advisor Success Stories. But I didn't want to read the whole chapter to you. Instead, what I want to do is kind of give you the backstory of the stories, and then maybe read a few lines so you really get the full effect of what happened, and then explain, really, why it's a success. So, the first story that we're going to jump into is a story on awareness. So let's begin. Creating your secret recipe for success. Applying the science of solutions. So this story, as I said, is a story on awareness. Understanding how to apply solutions to get the success we want to get can actually be a challenge. (laughs) Here's what I mean. What I mean is a lot of times it can feel like you're drinking from a fire hose when you have new things to do. You've been through this. So you have a challenge. You find the solution. You try to apply the tool or technique. And the next thing you know, you don't turn it into a habit because you've got the next challenge and solution. So let's jump into this story so you fully understand what I mean. My single takeaway from the group coaching session today was the same thing it was last week. I guess it's been the same thing every week. The financial advisor paused, considering how to clarify his statement to me and the group. Everything has a process. <laughs> the entire advisor solution system is designed around processes. And to be more effective, all I have to do is apply the solutions, the tools or techniques that other people do, and I get success, he said. Echoes of acknowledgement filled the air as other financial advisors on the group call started to agree with him. That's exactly what I think, too, announced John, a 25-year veteran. I could hear the excitement in John's voice at that time, and I knew it was going to happen. The conversation was about to erupt into a hail of vocal bullets as everybody tried to contribute their opinion of what they were getting. And at these times, when this stuff happens, I know what to do. Keep my mouth shut. <laughs> That's what I did. Ken, a rookie financial advisor, jumped in and he said, you know, I'm glad I found this group right now before I keep making the same old mistakes that I've been making for two years. John starts laughing. <laughs> John said, I actually didn't realize how ineffective I've been in my business for the last 25 years. You're lucky, Ken. You're finding these things out now. <laughs> Another advisor, Terry, jumps in And he said, I feel like I have a PhD in my own business. And then there was Jenny, a 30-year veteran. Jenny was trying to jump in, trying to find the right time to jump in. But she was having a hard time saying what she was going to say because she didn't know how her comments were going to be received. And then she said, but there's so many solutions. 
I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose. And then David, another rookie, jumps in and said, Jenny, I, I get it. I felt the same way. I view all the material and all of the solutions as kind of like going to the grocery store. When you go to the grocery store, you don't buy everything. You go to the grocery store with your list. You buy what you want. You buy what you need. Well, do that here. Take the solutions that you believe can help you, apply those, and it won't seem overwhelming. And just then, I could hear the smile on Jenny's face. And she said, I like it. That's exactly what I'll do. And that's exactly what she did. You see, the reason I told you that story, and some people might feel that it's not much of a success story, but it was for Jenny because it was the beginning of a new chapter in her business. See, she took her business to the whole nother level. And she did it because we looked at specific challenges and we applied specific solutions. But we didn't apply everything right away. See, most financial advisors, whether they're rookies or veterans, they don't apply solutions on a systematic basis or view solutions as applying them systematically. Instead, most advisors and agents apply solutions sporadically. And a lot of times they're overwhelmed by the different solutions that they need to apply. See, what happens is, is they, they might understand what the solutions are and how the solutions may help them get better results in the long run. But to take action can feel daunting. So the answer lies in how you view the process. So think of it this way. Think of your business building activities as a recipe for success, okay? So if you were to bake a cake, you get a recipe, most likely. You get the right ingredients, most likely. You get the right temperature to bake the cake and you put it in for the right time, and then you have a cake. And you can do it over and over and over again. This whole process is the same thing when it comes to solutions, applying solutions, that is. And that's why in my book, 101 Advisor Solutions, it's all about the steps that you need to take to apply to get the same results, better results than you've been getting. So when you start doing that, you can create your own success stories. But you first have to have the awareness to apply the solutions to challenges that you have. And that's what Jenny did. Maintaining the momentum. A tale of focus and motivational success. This story is, is about being so successful that it's overwhelming. Now, that might seem a little strange to you right now, but when you are so successful, it can be overwhelming. And how you maintain your momentum when you are having success is interesting, too. It's about not being burnt out, but instead understanding yourself and knowing what to do and where to focus. So let's jump into a few pages from the book on maintaining your momentum to see what one advisor did when she ran into this challenge. Hey, Linda, how are you holding up? I asked, knowing that something just didn't seem right with her as we began our individual coaching session. I don't know. Not too well, I guess. She mumbled as if wanting to explain. Why is that? Why are you not well? 
I asked. I'm not hitting my numbers. And then she paused. I'm not making the calls I need to. I'm not setting the appointments I need to. And, and frankly, I don't even know why. You know, I think I do. I guess I'm just kind of burnt out. See, Linda became a client in the late summer of 2009, so a long time ago. She was struggling with her business in every single facet of the business. There's eight facets that I coach around. She needed guidance in every single area of her business, and she was no rookie. She had been in the business for 30 years. She just needed to be back on track. She needed someone to hold her accountable and actually to give her a plan, some direction. That's what we did. See, I worked with Linda in the group coaching program. We worked on a weekly basis, and then after a while, she wanted to start doing some individual coaching sessions. So we did. By the end of 2009, and in only a few short months of working together in individual coaching sessions, she hit all of her goals. She had a great year. She finished the year strong. At the beginning of the first six months after the new year, Linda was actually up 120% year-to-date from her previous year's numbers. And she was designated by the company as one of the top producers. So she was crushing it. (laughs) The resources that I gave her about 10 months earlier were now ingrained in her as everyday activities. But this is what happened. Let's jump back into the story. Hey, would you consider a a two-week vacation? I asked, hoping that might bring a little spark of energy into the conversation. She quickly replied, absolutely not. There's no way I'm going to do that. In fact, there's, there's way too much to do. I'm, I'm already behind. I can't do that. And her voice had turned from deflated to anxious with a mere suggestion of leaving the office to take a vacation. And although she seemed disheartened with her lackluster results, I started wondering about the validity of her claim so I thought I would shift the conversation in another direction to take a deeper look. And that's what I did. Hey, how's your pipeline? <laughs> you mentioned that you, you you weren't calling enough people but and not setting enough appointments, but uh, how does it look? So she shuffled around some papers, and then she said, Well, uh, actually, I, I have quite a lot of people in here. I've got a lot going on. I've kind of just been procrastinating. Then I had her tally up the pipeline to discuss any potential business that she had for that month. Get this. She was even more surprised than me. When she tallied it all up, she said, this actually could be the second best month I've ever had. And so I quickly replied, great, then let's do it. There was a pause. And she thought for a minute and she said, so what are you thinking? And I said, you know, I think that you needed to take a break, but you weren't listening to yourself. So subconsciously, you decided that you were going to take a vacation for a couple of weeks. She paused and said, go on. During the last two weeks, you felt lost. Your momentum had stopped and your energy was gone and, and you were trying to look busy and you felt guilty and basically you weren't really getting anything accomplished. Yeah. But in reality, you subconsciously told yourself, you need a break. That's what I think. 
It's kind of like riding a bike and you pedal fast for a long time and then you get tired and you need to coast. You just need to do it. And there was an exhale from, from her as if this whole burden was lift out, lifted off her shoulders. And then she said, well, maybe you're right. <laughs> I said, I think you need a vacation. But instead of consciously giving yourself permission to go on a vacation for two weeks, you subconsciously checked out. And then a smile came to her face. Wow, Dan, I think, you, I think it makes perfect sense. But what do I do to keep the momentum going again? And once we get that momentum back, what do I do to maintain it? And so at that point, I knew she was already starting to turn the corner. I knew her voice was lighter, her demeanor was upbeat. And so I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to test my theory. What do you think about having a, a second best month ever? If you had fun doing it anyway, would it be something that you would kickstart your momentum again? And she said, I think I need to start pedaling again. I'm in. So two weeks later, when Linda and I had met for a coaching session, the first thing she shared with me was that I'm back. I hung up and I realized that I just needed to get back on the bike and start pedaling again. And she picked up where she left off. And I asked her, so now what? She said, so what do you think about me maintaining the momentum again and just keep doing it? And she went on to say, I realize that it's okay to take a vacation subconsciously. Before our session, I was focusing on the negative, And I was not doing what I needed to do. After our session, I started focusing on the positive. It was okay to take a break and coast for a while. Besides, my pipeline was actually pretty good. I've got a lot of people in it, she paused. You know, I never realized it, but the main difference between the two was what I chose to focus on to maintain the momentum, she said with a smile. And therein lies the solution for maintaining the momentum. What you focus on, whether it's positive or negative, will either motivate you or demotivate you. So the next time that you lose your momentum, simply change your focus and do what she did. Success is child's play. A tale of prospecting success. This story is really about ancillary learning. And a lot of times when you get successful, you teach people along the way and you don't even know it. So, let's jump into a few pages of the book so you know what I mean. Occasionally, financial advisors tell me that learning sales techniques and strategies can be confusing and actually time-consuming. However, I strongly disagree. In fact, I believe that it can be actually second nature once you learn the process and you practice it. And when that occurs, then success is child's play. Let me tell you the quick story behind the story. Years ago, Sam, and that's not his real name, none of these are real names of these clients, but Sam, a 10-year veteran whom I had been coaching for a few months at the time, was like most financial advisors that I coach. You see, most advisors and agents and wholesalers and branch managers, when we begin the process of coaching, they don't really realize how adept they are at what they're doing. 
But eventually, they come to the understanding that being more effective, effective at running their business in any different facet, is imperative. In the early stages of coaching, their initial awareness slowly evolves into that aha moment, you know, that epiphany. When they get it, the light bulb goes on. And that's when they understand more. And that's when they become more effective at what they're doing. So one of Sam's aha moments came at a very unlikely time when he was home, speaking to his son. So during a coaching session a few days earlier, he had mentioned that, you know, he's having a hard time with objections and that he needed to prepare for objections a little bit better because he had an, an appointment coming up and he really wasn't committing those rebuttals, those objection rebuttals to memory. So what I suggest is, is that he takes the tool, one of the tools that I've talked about in other coaching sessions called the objection resolution model, which was designed to handle the real objection. And he used that tool as a process to create a game. And as a result, the appointment would go a lot smoother. And so I suggested that he needed to make a game out of it and practice this tool as a game at home. And if he could find somebody at home to play the game, he could use these rules. First, brainstorm all possible objections that he would hear. Okay? And so he did that. And second, he would map those out on recipe cards, put it on the front. And third, he'd write the objection resolution model on the back. And fourth, he would practice this. And fifth, he would continue practicing until he got these cards memorized. All I needed to do was do what I just said and find somebody to play the game with. So Sam loved the idea, and he decided he'd ask his 11-year-old boy if he wanted to play the game. And the son would receive $5 every time Sam got one of these wrong. And I said, Sam, maybe you want to do $1. He said, no, I think $5. I'm pretty sure I can get these right. So Sam and his son played the game. Over a series of days, they played it over and over again. Sam was actually getting better at it. But the pain of paying his son, every time he lost a round, was starting to wear on him. And the conversation went like this. I don't think I want to keep playing the game anymore, Sam said to his son. Why not, Dad? His son quickly replied, because it's starting to cost me too much. An uncomfortable silence filled the air. Then Sam's son, who had been soaking up the handling objections process for the last few days, instinctively said, Dad, I can understand that. I can understand why you want to stop playing the game. But I gotta ask, can you make a thousand dollars if you close a sale? Yeah, son, I can. Can you make two thousand dollars if you close a sale? Yeah. I can. Well, it seems to me that paying me $5 for not making the sale is a lot less expensive than losing the sale. Wouldn't you agree, Dad? You're right, son. <laughs> Get the cards. And just like that, Sam had an aha moment. That was the fact that even a child can learn how to handle objections. So, the next time you think that you can't learn something, just know that even a kid can do it. 
easiest close I ever had. A tale of sales success. This is a story of preparing for the sale. No one ever regrets over-preparing for the sale, but rarely do people actually prepare for the sale. And here's what I mean. This story is about a rookie realizing what to do to close the sale. So, <laughs> let's take a look at the book and look at what he did to change his process so he could have more success. Prospects need a good reason for listening to what you have to say. Unconsciously or consciously, they're listening to the answer to this question. What's in it for me? And knowing when to finish talking and simply ask for the order is something you can definitely learn. Take Greg N., a newer financial advisor who was in the group coaching program. And when we were in week 12, the art of closing the sale, he nervously said at the end of the session, when I asked, what's your single takeaway? He nervously came back and said, well, I'll go over that in a second, but really, uh, I know we've gone over a lot of material today, but can you tell me again what I should do to ask for the order? Because I want to close the sale with this prospect, and as soon as I get off the phone, I'm going right to that meeting. <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop in that room. And so, with all the other group members listening, I knew that a recap of the material was the perfect ending to this session. Besides, it would help Greg. So I said, I'd be happy to help you again, Greg. Now, we had just spent the entire hour on different closing techniques. There was no way that I was going to go over all the techniques. But I did jump in, and I said, the first thing we're going to do is look for closing signals. So you're going to look for unconscious physical or verbal signals indicating that the prospect's interested in moving forward with your recommendations. Does anybody have any questions about that? I confidently asked. <laughs> this can happen at any time, but remember, it usually occurs right after you finish explaining features and benefits, so make sure you look for that. I instructed him and the rest of the group to look for physical closing signals from the prospect, which can happen at any time. Things like unfolding of the arms, rubbing of the chin, unclenching fists, touching the end of the nose, or get this, Touching the paperwork, that's a dead giveaway. I also instructed him to listen for any type of verbal closing signals. Things such as, hey, how long would it take to move the money over is a dead giveaway. So, we talked about those closing signals. And after that, Greg said, okay, I get it. I get the closing signals. <laughs> and then Greg said, I need to know the closing. Greg, when you see a physical closing signal or hear a verbal closing signal, then just follow up the conversation with these three questions. Grab a pen and write this down. <laughs> Number one, can you see how this can benefit you? And if they say yes, then go to the next question. Yeah, I can see how it could help. Question number two. Do you have any questions or any concerns about anything? And if they say no, no, I'm, I, I understand. Then you go to the next question. Great. Are you comfortable moving ahead? <laughs> 
Okay, I think I got it, Greg said. Now, I asked these three questions, and that's it. I said, yeah, that's it. But what if they don't follow what I, what I asked? I said, then you could go loop right back around, answer any questions, get through their concerns, and do it again. He said, okay. And with that, we were done with the session. Now, what's interesting about this story, <laughs> and I explain it in the book, is that it's not the end of the story. In fact, Greg went off to his meeting. Greg went off to his appointment, and he listened. And with a watchful eye and an attentive ear, he waited for any closing signals. And after explaining all of his recommendations and answering a few questions, he noticed something strange that was happening that he'd never seen before, or maybe he'd never looked for before. <laughs> he noticed that the prospect was rubbing her chin. So Greg quickly spotted that it was a physical closing signal, and Greg jumped in and asked the three questions. And at the end of all of that, he asked for the order. Are you comfortable moving ahead? And she said, yeah, I'm comfortable moving ahead. He couldn't wait to get back to his office. And when he got back to his office, he shot me an email that said the easiest close I ever had. Ironically, that's not the end of the story. You see, what happened was, and I didn't know this until the next week, we started in a group coaching session the next week, and I had Greg tell his story. And when he got to the very end and said, it was the easiest close I ever had, he turned the story over to a buddy of his that was in the, the group. And Ron, that's not his real name, Ron was another person in the group, and he said, Ron, why don't you tell the rest of the story? And Ron said, sure. Well, we went over the presentation, or he went over his presentation when he came back from the office, and he explained to me that he did the three questions, and he closed. And he told me the whole story about the woman rubbing her chin and asked these three questions, and, and it was easy. And so what I did is when I got in the car later that day with the senior advisor in the partnership that I'm in, I told him the story. I told him the whole story. And then we got to our meeting. And when we got into our meeting, I, I was in our meeting, and I noticed as we went through all the features and benefits with this person, this woman, our prospect, she started rubbing her chin. And I looked at the senior advisor, and he looked at me, and we tried not to laugh, and he went in and asked for the order. And I said, and what happened? We got the sale. <laughs> the point of this story is, is that when you know what to look for, and you know the questions to ask. People love to buy, but they hate to be sold. And so, you, too, can have the easiest clothes that you've ever had. How coaching can help you create your own success stories. Now, I said we'd go over three things in this podcast. First, understanding the successful advisors create. Check, we did that. Second, advisor success stories. Check, we did that too. Now what we're going to do is we're going to talk briefly about how coaching can help you create your own success stories. And here's what I mean. If you're at a place in your business where you are where you are and you want to get to where you want to be, you really have two options. Keep doing what you're doing or get help. So how can coaching help you to get your own success story. Well, I can't speak for all coaches, but I can speak for myself. I've been doing this since 2004. I had to think about that. <laughs> it's been so long. 
And as we're coming up on 19 years as of this recording, I can tell you this. There isn't a challenge I haven't heard or a solution I haven't applied. So whatever challenge you have gone through, whatever challenge you're going through now, or whatever challenge you will go through, I know this. There is always, always, always a solution. There's always a solution. <laughs> In fact, that's why the book is 473 pages. 101 Advisor Solutions is a pretty big book. But I do know that if we work together, this is what we'll do. We will talk about, in a free coaching session, any challenges that you're going through. And I'm pretty confident that I've got tools and techniques that you need to learn. And if you become a client, we are going to first start off with what I call fundamental coaching. Fundamental coaching is really just you understanding some specific tools that are fundamentally tools you should learn and use on a daily basis. So they become habits. And then we're going to talk about topic coaching. Somewhere along the way, a topic's going to bubble to the surface and you're basically going to say, hey, I need help with blank, whatever the topic is. And I'm pretty confident I have solutions for that too. And somewhere along the way, we're also going to talk about your pipeline, which is what I call situational coaching. Tell me the situation, let's strategize around it and work on the solutions. And we're going to role play it and you're going to close more people. And when you do that, you will create your own advisor success story. Well, thank you for listening to this Advisor Solutions podcast. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you can listen each week. Also, check us out on the web at advisorsolutionsinc.com. And finally, if you like what you heard, and you want to know more about the Advisor Solutions Group Coaching Program or the Advisor Solutions Individual Coaching Programs, please email me at dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. I would be happy to set up a free coaching session if that's what you'd like. Again, that's dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. Please join us next week as we help advisors and agents build a better business, one solution at a time. Thank you.